0: Industry Council. Uh, I was the director of the Treasure Island Job Corps Center for a while. Uh, Then I ended my career at the uh, Department of Human Services as the Deputy Director, and I retired four years ago. So uh, because I had nothing else to do in my life, uh, (laughs) I decided that uh, I could jump in and uh, serve the city in a very different way, and I'm really honored to be here. Thank you.
1: Thank you, and let me let me tell you, there's enough to do. Okay. 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 Let's go to the agenda. Uh, there is a change uh, on the agenda, and please note, item T, as in Tom, is taken out. We will not be presenting item number T, as in Tom. Do I have a motion to approve the agenda?
0: So
2: as
1: moved. amended. As amended, sorry. Second. As amended.
0: So moved.
3: Second.
1: Passed. So. Pass. Okay. When you all got the minutes of the last meeting, uh, could I have a, a motion to approve the minutes as presented? Uh, so moved. Second. Passed. Okay. Uh, moving along with the reports, uh, we have the director's report, Shereen McFadden.
4: Good morning, commissioners, and I also want to um, extend a welcome to Commissioner Arcelona. We've had uh, Commissioner Arcelone and I have had a lot of chances to work together over the years. Um, we were deputy directors of HSA together, and um, I'm just really impressed with the work that he's done, and really, really we're fortunate to have him on the commission. So welcome, Commissioner. Um, I wanted to start out with something very exciting, and that is today is May 1st, and what that means is today is the first day that people can sign up for CalFresh benefits if they're on SSI. The The benefits will start June 1st, but people can start signing up today. And this is really, really great, because it's been a lot of advocacy over many, many years. And I know for many of you um, who've worked in the field of aging or disability services for a long time, this has been a fight that you've been involved in, and you have, you know, it's just a great day to see that this is finally going to happen. And essentially what that means is, you know, as, as I think most people know, SSI recipients have been precluded from accessing CalFresh benefits because initially it was assumed that the SSI benefit covered groceries. And I think the amount at the time was like $10 or something. And, and the amount never changed. Um, that, you know, that nobody ever kind of said, oh, wait, we need to add in more because groceries are now costing a lot more. A bag of groceries is a lot more. So it's a great and exciting thing that California is doing. And in San Francisco, specifically, it means that um, we could up to double the 48,000 people currently on the CalFresh roll. So that's super exciting. And we don't get to celebrate something like this very often. And you know, I think we'll get to see over the next six months or so what the uptake is and, and you know how it's really impacting people. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention is that we're still continuing to work on conservatorship issues. Um, Specifically, in this case, you probably remember that last year, um, the state, the Senate Bill 1045, which was Scott Weiner's bill, passed the Senate and was signed by the governor, and it and it applies specifically to three counties. But um, the counties, the County Board of Supervisors, have to vote to accept it and then to and then to roll it out. And so that hearing hasn't happened yet in San Francisco, but the hearing will take place May 13th. And that's when the board will um, pick this discussion up and decide whether to move forward forward with 1045 or not. And and as you probably remember, what that does is it expands the um, expands the conservatorship rules to to really target people who've had multiple reoccurrence in in psych emergency and also um, people who have substance abuse issues. Now, as you also probably know, it's fairly limited in terms of its ability to reach out to new people, and so what's happening right now is there's a lot of work going on in Sacramento with another bill, and um, that's essentially a cleanup bill that will kind of fix some of the structural problems with the first bill. So the city, um, the mayor's office is very, very devoted to getting 1045 passed so that when the other bill happens that that we'd really be able to make some headway with the conservatorship um, program in San Francisco. And I, I wanna say that Jill Nielsen, our my deputy director who oversees the conservatorship programs and other programs has really been dedicated to working with the mayor's office, working with the department of public health. Um, she's been up at Sacramento a lot, um, You know, providing support when people have been up there to testify, and so it's 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 a big lift. But um, so May thirteenth is the hearing for that. Um, The third is that there is a kind of a housing bond that's kind of rolling out to possibly get on the ballot. And there's been a lot of conversation in, especially in aging advocate circles, about whether seniors are really a part of that. And as or Annie Chung um, has been chairing a work group c- commissioned by President Yi to really look at senior housing in San Francisco and to look at you know the proportion of senior housing that goes to I mean it's housing overall that goes to seniors and kind of comparing the overall population with of, of older adults with what's in the pipeline for senior housing and so um, There was a hearing earlier this week at the Land Use and Transportation Committee about senior housing specifically, and I was asked to come talk about some of the demographics related to older adults in San Francisco but also talk about some of the programs we do and of course we well we don't really do housing we do housing subsidies and we certainly provide a number of programs that help people stay in their homes and not become homeless um, the biggest and most important probably being in-home supportive services where we serve 25,000 people annually um, so it you know we'll see what happens with the housing bond and whether there is a purport, a portion rather of um, that that goes to senior housing but there's a lot of momentum there and while we're not involved in that piece there are a lot of people in the room and there are a lot of advocates in San Francisco who ver- are very involved in that so we'll see what happens um, and then I think the last thing I wanted to mention is that we're continuing to work on our reframing framing aging campaign and many people um, some people in the commission but people on our advisory council definitely and others have been involved in the work group to think about what it means to reframe aging in San Francisco and we've we've struggled a little bit because we we learned a lot from what the frameworks institute has put out about how they talk you know how they tell us rather that we should talk about aging how we should talk about aging with a larger community and it's hard to figure out how to take their research and put it into a real campaign and that's what we're doing now. We have through the community living campaign, um, our partner on this, we have brought in a creative agency to work with us um, called and they're, they're, I love this because it's n- not anything we normally talk about in our world but um, their name is most likely to. <laughs> so um, kind of creative. Anyway, so we're looking forward, they're working on some collateral and some messaging now, and they're gonna roll that out with us in the next couple of months. And then we'll be talking really about how we all do some outreach with the messaging and the collateral materials that we're gonna develop based on their work. And I think that'll be an exciting part of this where we can all kind of join in, um, not only using traditional media and um, hopefully using our senior journalists, but also thinking about you know, how do we use social media in a different way. So look forward to that. Um, and I think that's all I have for today. Thank you.
1: Any questions from um, the commissioner for the director? none, we move along. Uh, employee recognition. Uh, DAS Commission and Executive Director Shereen McFadden will recognize Eileen Ma, a social worker from the DAS Office of In Home Support Services. you have to come up here.
4: Okay, so just because I haven't done this in a while, I would love like everyone in IHSS to just stand up. Because I know there are a lot of you here. <laughs> and I think I just said IHSS is our most important program. I actually didn't mean it. it's our most important program, because I'm just, that's just gonna make everybody else mad. But, <laughs> It is our biggest program, and it is an incredibly important program, and it takes a huge number of people to make it happen. And we have eligibility workers, we have social workers, we have clerks, we have managers and supervisors, and all these people who are dedicated to making sure that people can stay in their homes because they have in-home supportive services. And sometimes it means going back and forth, visiting with people, making sure that they have the right worker. You know, some people fire their workers. There's all sorts of things that can happen in that program that can put people at risk of not being able to stay at home. And so I want to thank all of you who work in IHSS um, because it is such an important program. And I think one of the things that's great about Yilin is she, al- she also brings the sense of teamwork that you need in order to make that program work well. And, not, and that means not only coming and doing her work, but it means kind of being a cheerleader and thinking about team events and making sure that you have celebrations and all of the things that helps bring and gel a team together. So Yulin, this is your day. And I'm gonna read what, um, what people wrote about you, okay? So um, Yulin Ma has been a social worker for the In-Home Supportive Services Program since November 2014. She has a positive personality and a great heart when assisting her clients. Some of Yulin's outstanding traits are her compassion and empathy for clients, their family members as well as home care providers. Yelin approaches her responsibility to assist her clients with a desire and willingness to resolve issues with them. Like I said, there are lots of issues sometimes. She's very patient in explaining the IHSS program to her clients and is willing to go out of her way to find answers for them. Her clients acknowledge her hard work and dedication and they praise her for her kindness and willingness to take time to explain the program to them. She works well with her peers, and they recognize her dedication and willingness to help others. She brings joy and laughter when the work is stressful and at times difficult. Elin is involved with IHSS outreach, the IHSS symposium, and the annual Senior Homeless Holiday Luncheon. She's also an active participant in in the DOS Wellness Program and is a great role model for healthy living. See, that's pretty impressive. Yelin has many qualities as a social worker, and is and always goes beyond to help others. We are honored to have Yelin as part of the DOS team, and, and her and on and grateful for her dedication to her role as a social worker. So, thank you, Yilin. Thank you. So On behalf of the Department of Aging and Adult Services, to present you with this, and you are our Employee of the Month for May. Thank you so much. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Do you want to say something? Okay. You don't, you don't have to. I just want to say uh, thank you.
4: Thank you so much. Um,
6: Thank you, Sherwin, for the kind words. Thank you, Hugh, for the nomination. Thank you all my colleagues to come and celebrate with me today. Thank you so much.
1: Okay, next comes the Advisory Council Report, President Diane Lawrence.
7: Good morning, Commissioners. Director McSpadden. I'm going to do an abbreviated version since it's a long agenda, and uh, Bridget will have more detailed, especially on the ledge. Um, We have uh, two members of the Advisory Council resigned prior to our last meeting, one from a district Uh, supervisors aware of it and it I'm assuming is working on that and then one Commission appointment Um, we had a dignity fund um, update as we always do Um, we were told that the group will be meeting every month so that won't be a part of my report regularly Um, and you'll see in today's report the plan you have the report going forward our pedestrian safety committee that was kind of our focus this month um, What we, um, probably the bottom line is we have found that there are a myriad of groups in San Francisco addressing this topic. Um, One of the members put together a um, sheet on how to report damaged sidewalks to DPW, so I'll include that in my notes um, in case any of you have damaged sidewalks you'd like to report on. And um, the um, AARP has a walk audit toolkit and I'll include the reference to that. Um, There were no site visits given this month, but that was by planning. Um, Senior Rally Day is May 7th. I'm not sure how many people will be going from the Advisory Council. The main focus this year will be um, on the Master Plan on Aging, and that will be um, (coughs) headed by members of the SCAN Foundation, um, State Senator Jackson, and assembly representative Nazarian, both of whom are very active in this area. Um, this was our first meeting, first joint ledge meeting, where we were looking at the bills that we mentioned. I mentioned briefly last month. We're now up to forty-five from thirty-six. Uh, we lost one, um, and I'll provide a detailed report by topic. We thought that that might be easier rather than just listing them. It's like here are all the medical, here are all the Alzheimer's a little bit easier. And we're looking at one uh, federal bill and some budget issues as well. And CSL has picked up um, some additional um, support for their 10 pieces of legislation. They actually uh, almost have all of them with a sponsor. So um, that's pretty much my report.
1: Any question from the commission? What is the time for the May Senior Rally? Is it in Sacramento? It's in Sacramento. I think
7: it's at 10 o'clock on the South Lawn. Um, I can find that out. I've
3: got it somewhere and let Bridget know. It's my understanding because I I sit on in-home supportive services that there's going to be a bus taking commissioners and and members of, I'm sorry?
4: That's actually a different event. That's for Senior and Disability Day, which is actually on May 23rd.
3: Sorry, apologies. Stand corrected.
7: And I think that's where some of the shift in focus this year is. But I know we'll have members that will be attending, so we'll have something in my in the June report.
1: Any other questions? No. Okay. Moving along. Oh,
7: I put actually my two reports together. Together. (laughs) Sorry about that. Thank you.
1: Good. Thanks. Okay. No tech report. Uh, The LC. OTCC staff report.
2: Good morning, I'm Jennifer Walsh. A member of the LTCCC and I'm here to give you the highlights from April's LTCCC meeting. SCAN Foundation and Collaborative Updates The LTCCC was granted a renewal on its regional coalition member grant LTCCC is one of 23 statewide regional coalitions that are part of the SCAN Foundation's Community of Constituents and who jointly advocate for long-term services and supports both regionally and across the state. This 5K grant is intended to cover expenses related to education and advocacy with locally targeted representatives on both the state master plan on aging effort as well as our own LTSS policy priorities, as well as support travel expenses. For LTCCC members attending statewide advocacy events, including the Fall LTSS Summit, as part of the Council's activities in the larger SCAN initiatives. Additionally, the Council was awarded a 5K grant to help underwrite in part a public education event targeted for the fall of this year in which a combination of regional and state representatives would discuss how a state master plan on aging would impact San Francisco. Age and Disability Friendly San Francisco Update The Alert SF Outreach Campaign initially planned for May will need to be postponed. Department of Emergency Management has had some leadership and staffing changes, will resume once staff are on board. During the April's IDF meeting they reassess current recommendations. They would appreciate public feedback and engagement. Palliative Care Workgroup. National Healthcare Decisions Day was April 16th. Events were all over the city in various languages. Members were encouraged to share flyers and to encourage their colleagues and consumers in joining. Legislation Update There was an update on current bills within the California House and Senate that relate to long-term services and supports. Discussion LTC system and policy recommendations the policy agenda documents worked on by steering since the last LTCCC meeting were discussed. Members were reminded that this work is a continuation of last summer's retreat. The December and February LTCCC meetings also focused on developing a policy agenda for the council and tangible next steps. Members suggested edits and clarifying language. The suggestions will be brought to today's steering committee meeting, Wednesday, May 1st at 3 p.m. in the D.A.S. offices and is open to the public. Announcements Work Matters Employment Event is tomorrow Thursday, May 2nd 10 to 2 p.m. at the Unitarian Church, 1187 Franklin. That concludes my LTCCC update.
1: Thank you. Any question from the Commission? No. Case report. No case report Good save us some time. <laughs> no old business. Now we come to the real meat of the meeting, the new business. OK. Dignity Fund allocation plan uh, presentation, Melissa McGee will present this.
6: Okay. Good morning. Good morning, Commissioners. Director McSpadden. So um, we do not have the have Okay. So we don't have the PowerPoint to show up here, but the Commissioners have a copy, and there are some on the, on the table. Okay? Okay. So my name is Melissa McGee. I'm the Dignity fund manager with the Department of Aging and Adult Services. I wanted to present an overview of the service and allocation plan um You've also received a final version of the actual plan, <clears throat> and there are some copies over there. This also is posted on the DOS uh, website and I will post the PowerPoint presentation later today also. Um, so before I start, I just want to mention that this was a um, very collaborative effort with HSA a contracts planning budget who worked very closely with DOS, um, To put this together so thank you to them Um, so the so today I just want to a quick overview of the planning process and then an overview of the report components okay so in the PowerPoint which you've seen before is the timeline for the um, SAP planning process. It's a four-year funding cycle, um, but just as a frame of reference, last year we completed the community needs assessment, which informed the service and allocation plan. So the SAP will outline funding allocation for the four-year cycle. Uh, It references gap analysis and equity analysis that was um, from the prior year's community needs assessment. And it is outcome-oriented, and I'll talk about that a little later. Um, the n- next slide is the timeline of key events, which also ha- uh, you've seen before, as has uh, everyone else. But we're uh, just put this in to show you we're at the end of the planning process. So um, as per the legislation, the SAP uh, is presented to Commission for Information Only, and then will also be, um, talked about by Director McSpadden in her presentation to the board. Neither the commission nor the board needs to approve the, the SAP as you did with the needs assessment. <clears throat> the service and allocation plan, um, key report components. Um, there's four main components, the planning and funding cycle overview, the guiding principles and key priorities for the upcoming four-year funding cycle the service areas and funding allocations for this four-year cycle, and then a section on tracking um, progress and measuring success. So the um, guiding principles of the Dignity Fund and findings from the needs assessment help us identify the key priorities And since we don't have the PowerPoint, I just quickly want to read these because they inform the process. To ensure older adults and adults with disabilities are able to live and age with dignity in the community, to empower diverse individuals from these populations to live safely and independently throughout the city, to prioritize services and programs with demonstrable impact, to develop strategic collaborations between DOS, CBOs, and other city departments serving older adults and adults with disabilities, and to ensure the equitable delivery of high quality service and programs. And finally, to structure services successfully by considering factors such as accessibility, service delivery, inclusiveness and responsivity, efficiency and collaboration. Excuse me. And collaboration. So there's two slides in the packet that identify the key priorities, um, the eight key priorities that have been been identified. Um, and And there's a description of each key priority. Increase awareness and accessibility of services, promote inclusion of seniors and adults with disabilities within the broader city community, focus on equity factors, improve geographic access to services, boost service engagement for adults with disabilities, (coughs) excuse me, make decisions using data, collaborate with city and community, and strengthen community-based provider infrastructure. So then we have the service area section of the report. So we identified seven service areas, and then each individual service type falls within these um, service area. So this slide um, tells you the service area and then the primary goal of that service area. And just quickly, the service areas are access and empowerment, caregiver support, case management and care navigation, community connection and engagement, Housing support, nutrition and wellness, and self-care and safety. So every individual service that DOS provides fits into one of those seven categories. And those are clearly outlined in the actual service and allocation plan. Um, the next slide that you have um, shows the growth of the dignity fund baseline value over the current four-year cycle. So increasing in fiscal year 1920. Uh, from $50 million to $59 million in 22-23, with a $3 million contribution every year to the, to the baseline. So the service and funding plan for the four-year cycle, fiscal year 1920 to 22-23, <clears throat> um, was informed both by historical funding levels and the key priorities that we identified. Um, so to promote continued engagement and support, DOS will maintain relatively stable funding levels for existing services. And the ongoing growth of the Dignity Fund, it gives us the opportunity to develop or expand programming. Other considerations in the funding plan include the mandatory, ma- mandatory costs, uh, for example, the cost of doing business. Um, And there's some funding requirements that are outlined in the legislation, which include um, pilot programs, neighborhood-based, neighborhood-initiated projects, and uh, allowance for administrative costs. So those are all identified in the legislation. The final section of the report is tracking progress and measuring success, because, of course, we want to make sure we're doing what we need to do and serving those we need to serve. Um, We want to... you know, make sure we have our intended impact. So the outcome and evaluation plan includes three areas. There's an annual uh, data and evaluation report. There's focus area reports that would follow the comprehensive needs assessment. And then a cycle end, which would be at the end of the four year cycle and evaluation report. Uh, The next slide actually is a table of the months, you know, just to give you an idea of the years when this would happen. So every year you can see there's this annual data report. The focus area reports follow the community needs assessment year. As last year, um, when we did the needs assessment, we identified areas that needed deeper analysis and research, and those reports were completed as an addition to the needs assessment. And then at the end of each four-year cycle, there'll be a final cycle uh, evaluation report. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, The outcome objective framework um, on the slide that you see. So each of the seven service areas has a primary goal, and then outcome themes that will address that goal. So the outcomes that are developed in the contracts that are negotiated with the CBOs will we'll focus into these outcome themes. And outcomes are always a discussion with, the, with program contracts and with the community-based provider. Um, so we hope to ultimately demonstrate kind of collective um, outcomes after speci- over um, specific services. So that's the next two slides, you can read through those. And those also, again, are more, much more um, broad in the Actual Service and Allocation Plan. Um, okay, so the, um, the way we're going to do this and uh, is the con- uh, funding and contract cycle. So we wanted to develop a contract schedule that really promoted transparency on the department's uh, part, provide consistency for the community and the service providers, and align with this uh, planning and funding framework. So we took the seven service areas and we put them into three contract cycles. So the um, the services that fall in those contract cycles will. I mean, those service areas will follow this contract cycle. Um, For example, Schedule A, which is the upcoming, the initial contract cycle, will include case management and care navigation contracts as well as community connection and engagement. The, um, I think it's the final slide, is the contract schedule timeline, so you can really see... how it's going to happen within the years related to the CNA and the SAP. So all contracts going forward starting with the upcoming fiscal year will be four-year contracts, and that will continue to align with this four-year funding cycle. Um, Also, the growth, the $3 million growth um, each year will fall into the current contract cycle. So the allocation plan that we've put forth for 1920 the growth falls into case management and care navigation and community connection and engagement and that then that will continue each year we the, it's a four year funding cycle so we have one year where we don't have a specific service identified and see that as an opportunity for emerging needs or something that needs to be addressed that hadn't been or Additional things that come up because we can't predict what's going to happen, you know, really strictly over the four years. And that is it. And I just want to mention I'm happy, I know we have a packed agenda. If people want to talk to me or have further conversations offline, my contact information's there. I'm happy to talk to you further.
1: Thank you for the detailed report. Thank you. Okay, uh. Madam Chair.
0: Yeah, I, I just wanted, to, first of all, to compliment the staff on the the, the report. Um, it was extensive. Um, it was clear, um, and uh, so I just wanted to, to thank the staff. It was a very good report. I, I do have one question, Madam President. Um, my understanding in reading through this was that uh, in during the process, if there are priorities that seem to need to come to the surface that you can kind of change the timeline on when some of these services or the RFP for these services will go out? Did, did I understand <clears throat> correctly?
6: Well, we hope not to necessarily change the timeline, but we do have um, the ability and, and funding to address any emerging needs or something that comes up. Um, One thing I just will mention, and perhaps this is even what you're referring to, is when we did this process, we went through every single contract and we wanted to not disrupt the the process and the current contracts and the providers and what they're doing. So there were some with a lot of help from contracts who were very helpful in helping us either. Some we had to extend, some were RFPing earlier, but the goal is by the end of this four years, everybody is on the four-year cycle. And I'm happy to talk to you further
1: because I know
6: you're
1: new to the Commission. Thank you. Okay, moving along. Uh, (coughs) Item A, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with senior and disability action for the provision of home care advocacy during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 for an additional amount of 104794 plus 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $238,980. And Rick
8: Appleby. Uh, Good morning. Vice President Lou, Commissioners, uh, Director McSpadden, and Bridget. I'm glad to be here this morning. And um, the next four items that I'll be presenting on are actually individual contracts for the organization's senior and disability action. So uh, while they are focused on specific uh, issues, service issues, there's a theme that runs through that that's typical of senior disability action and that's education and empowerment and advocacy. So um, I'll be addressing each of those under the agenda items but I wanted to to mention that um, so you know that it's consistent through these. Um, This agenda item is for home care advocacy. Um, Obviously that's um, doing education and advocacy for home care services. And this uh, item has two programs, the Home Care Action Team and the IHSS Task Force. Both of these groups meet on a regular basis and are um, comprised of community members, many of whom that have been involved with these issues a long time. Um, Some have been specifically involved with uh, senior and disability action for a long time. Um, The Home Care Advocacy Team Uh, focuses on mobilizing older adults and people with disabilities and teaches them leadership skills so that they can in turn go out to the community at large and speak to the issue of home care um, and uh, advocate for home care services. The uh, IHSS task force uh, brings together decision makers from the various groups, from uh, the city, to hear feedback from people that actually use IHSS services so that there's an ongoing discussion of how those services are offered and how well they're serving people and give a voice to the people who use it. Again, that uh, meets on a regular basis. Um, The home care advocacy team also produces the senior disability action newsletter so that keeps the public further informed with updates on on home care. uh, thank you for considering this item. Any question?
9: Uh, a quick question, hopefully. Just I'm curious because we don't get very many um, ad- advocacy kind of programs in front of us. So, j- just in general terms, you you how how do people who are using the services become advocates? Are do they voluntarily sort of? Get interested and want to become advocates, and then they fall into these training programs? Or just sort of how, if someone's interested, how does that usually happen? And just how do people become advocates, go from using a service to becoming an advocate? And is there outreach for that, or how does that kind of happen?
8: I think for uh, senior disability action, it happens in a variety of ways. Some people who utilize a service, you know, are aware of um, issues and want to bring forward their voice and bring attention to those issues. Then there are other people um, in the community at large who are advocates already. Um, you know, they're part of other organizations. They go to hearings and and rallies. And you know, one of the issues they take up is home care because they realize how important that is. So, um, folks that actually use the service. Um, can also be recruited if somebody is in one of these organizations and has issues or wants to make comment or wants to support ihss then they can be brought in and um, uh, sda sorry that's the short firm uh, provides you know training and education around the service and around how to to advocate and how to do speaking um, so i think it happens in a variety of ways
9: various and then when, for example, SDA is advocating for something, it now that I understand this a little bit better, that, that's usually come about because of this sort of organic process of having people who are using the services through the advocacy training. You know, they have these issues, and they've, they've learned to articulate those issues, and is, is that yeah. then represented by
8: senior Yes, visibility. in a lot of ways. There's obviously a structure uh-huh. for the organization SDA, but yes, people bring issues up that they want to address uh-huh. that become important, and then SDA helps people learn how to talk about that. Okay. Um, recently, for example, when I met with them, they, uh, the staff at SDA said we want to get more interested in climate change, particularly after the last smoke emergency. Uh-huh. So that, you know, people start getting interested in something that's important to them and, and SDA supports them to learn about it and, and talk about it.
9: Okay, great, thank you for that,
8: yeah.
3: uh, The newsletter, I'm guessing it's electronically disseminated. Yes. Um, How widely is it distributed? Is it just for the clients, or is it policymakers?
8: No, those newsletters um, go out to a lot of people. I don't know the exact number distribution list, but it's for members and other folks in the community at large. Oh, sorry.
10: Hello, Commissioner Jessica Lehman with Senior in Disability Action. Um, thank you so much for for hearing this and and for Rick Appleby for presenting it so wonderfully. Um so our newsletter um we do in email. We have an email list of about seven hundred. Um, and growing, I think 800 actually, and then our, um, we also do it by print because so many seniors and people with disabilities don't have email access, and that list is um, also about 700. There's a little bit of overlap, but not a lot, um, and it does go to our members and to community partners and allies, so if anyone wants to be added to the list, you can let me know.
3: We, we do so much work with you all that it, it might be of benefit to the, the members of the commission to receive it. That, that That's where I was going.
10: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, we'd be happy to. Thank you.
3: Any more
1: questions from the Commission? Any from the public? Hearing none, I'll call for the vote. So moved. Second? I'll
9: second.
3: Pass. Do you have to take a vote or do you have to take a vote? Or is it just? I think you have to take all in favor, all in favor. Does she have to take a vote? Yes. All in favor? Okay.
1: Since I'm new, so I have to start over again. (laughs) All those who say aye. 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 Thank you. Uh, Commissioner, um, so you say all those opposed? Any opposed? Okay, item B, uh, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Senior and Disability Action for the provision of housing advocacy and counseling during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 for the additional amount of $162,903 plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 370,948, Rick, again.
8: Thank you. Um, And um, as we might guess, this has to do with housing advocacy particularly. So um, SDA works to educate and inform um, uh, older adults and people with disabilities and the community at large Uh, They do a lot of community outreach and civic engagement around the issue of housing, tenants' rights, and uh, SRO, advocacy. Um, The main efforts, of course, are to assist uh, older adults and people with disabilities and others to advocate around this important issue of housing in the city. Um, They attend a lot of rallies, um, a lot of hearings, um, and do a lot of (coughs) outreach around that and contacts. The other piece of this particular grant is um, housing counseling. And that's uh, face-to-face eviction and tenants' rights counseling. um, And that's provided in a subcontract with the Housing Rights Committee at two locations, one in the Mission and one in Richmond. Um, And then I mentioned that uh, both this housing advocacy staff and other SDA members and participants uh, attend rallies public hearings and group meetings to inform around the issues of housing and um, influence the housing opportunities in the city thank you any question from the commission any question
1: from the public <clears throat> okay jessica
10: I just wanted to add one thing um, about the advocacy and the way we work, um, which is really based on the conviction that people who are affected by an issue are the best people to do something about it. And there's so much conversation around housing, around home care, around other issues um, by a lot of different um, decision makers. But seniors and people with disabilities who are directly affected are not often at the table. And we think that, that that needs to change, and we appreciate that that you all share that view. Um, and so it's really about reaching out to folks and, and to the question on outreach. Um, we know that so many seniors and people with disabilities, and particularly those who are multiply marginalized, people who are also LGBT, people who are poor, people People of color, um, people from other groups are so disempowered and have always been told, you know, you don't know about this, that your voice doesn't matter, but that lived experience does matter. And so we do a lot of outreach to people who um, come in for the housing counseling, to our um, partner housing rights committee, people who come into our office looking for help, um, people who respond to flyers and and calls that we may put out about meetings to really ask people questions and encourage them to get involved um, and to, to be part of. That process
3: is is through the uh, is the outreach done mul- multilingually?
10: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and our programs tie together a lot, and so you'll hear in a moment about our Senior and Disability Survival School and Senior and Disability University, um, which are one of our major outreach tools, and we do those in many different languages in different neighborhoods to be able to reach different populations.
0: Madam President, where, where are your offices located?
10: Uh, We're at 1360 Mission, right between 9th and 10th. Very centrally located.
1: Well, hearing none, are we ready to vote? I will move this. Second. Okay, now we call for the vote. All who in favor say aye.
0: Aye. Aye.
1: Opposed? motion carry okay num c item c requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with senior and disability action for the provision of the long term care consumer rights advocacy during the period of july 1 2019 through june 30 2020 for an additional amount of 118581 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed of uh, 270,421. Rick, you're on.
8: Thanks again. Um, again, we heard from Jessica a good description of what they do, and this item is around long-term care, of course. And. Uh, That's a broad term um, that covers a lot of um, services that DOS provided and others that really tries to enable folks independence in the community generally and um, make sure they have a good quality of life. Uh, So in that broad frame, uh, SDA is providing uh, education and advocacy training again around that. Um, An important piece of this is information sharing and information and referral for people who call in about this. Um, They also utilize trained volunteer peer advocates to provide some one-to-one support and counseling. Uh, So again, they're working on this particular issue.
1: Question from the commission? Question from the public? Good, we're waiting for the vote. I'd like to move. I'll second. All in favor say aye. 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 Uh, Opposed? Motion carried. Okay. Now we come to item D requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Senior and Disability Action. For the provision of senior and <coughs> disability empowerment during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020, for an additional amount of $202,030 plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 503466
8: 503, Rick? Thanks again. Uh- this is the program at SDA that provides the Senior Survival School, I'm sorry, Senior and Disability Survival School, and the Senior and Disability University. So there are two training tracks um, that are made up of multiple sessions for anybody in the community. Um, and the Senior and Disability Survival School focuses on teaching people about services and resources and how to access those. Um, and to some extent advocate for those services so they have access if need be. The uh, university is a leadership training course which focuses on the advocacy and community work and teaches uh, public speaking, um, excuse me, sorry, um, public speaking, uh, and the uh, understanding of community resources as a system, and consumer rights, health care, and benefits, and how to speak to those in a public forum or with uh, legislators or city folks, maybe. Any question from the commission?
3: I have one. It's on the overarching theme of advocacy and outreach, uh, but not related to this particular uh, Am I able to? Thank you. And maybe, Jessica, you can answer this. Uh, Yesterday, I found myself on a webinar uh, regarding the complete count for the census for 2020, and it was particular for, uh, for, uh, uh, for this population. I'm wondering if your organization is going to be involved with that because critical funding coming back to San Francisco in particular, uh, is going to be the result of that, uh, of the of the census count. And I, I think that this is gonna be a an area that you all have expertise in and uh, for outreach. So I'm wondering if, if you all will be involved with that.
10: It is a good question. Um, there were grants, I can't remember from which department, um, that came out a couple weeks ago and we were debating applying um, it feels like another big project that we decided we don't really have the capacity to take on. But you know, part of our role is we don't need to do the services ourselves, but we need to to help make sure they happen. And so we reached out to some of our partners. It didn't sound like someone else is applying. And I think it I think it is a, a question for the community with DOS to really look at who is going to be doing that outreach to seniors and people with disabilities. Um, we're, we're definitely we share your interest in making sure that happens.
3: Thank you.
1: Any comment from the public? Hearing none, are we ready for the vote? I'll move it. I'll move to approve, yes. Yeah. Any second? I'd
0: like to second, and I have a question. Okay. Um, I, I'm just curious why we're approving four separate contracts here. Were there four separate RFPs for this? or um,
8: uh, I believe so, Yes. Is there more? Yeah. Th- more well, it's questions? just that oh. it
0: would seem so easy to put it under the umbrella of advocacy and Steve have Kim, a big contract management right. from Human Services Agency. Nice to see you again, uh, Director Arcelona. Um, basically, it was a, all uh, as a separate uh, scope uh, initially when we did the initial RRP uh, uh, for 635. So this was p- broken out as such. Do uh, we continue on for renewal? That's something we could discuss, but that was how it was originally rp would I see. All right. Seem like it'd be a lot easier to have one. Yes. Maybe even for the contractor. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you.
1: Right? Okay. it to be moved. Uh, all in favor say aye. Aye.
0: aye.
1: Opposed? <coughs> Motion carry. Thanks so much. Oh. Item E. <laughs> Requesting authorization to modify the existing contract agreement with Felton Institute for the provision of senior companion services during the period July 1, 2019, ending June 30, 2013, for an additional amount of 87300 plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 377,149. dollars mark-
11: Good morning, Commissioners. Uh, Executive Director McSpadden, welcome uh, Commissioner Arcelona. This item is a one-year uh, extension of our Senior Companion uh, uh, program. Senior Companion, at its heart, um, recruits uh, low-income adults ages 55 and older, uh, vets them, and puts them in volunteer-like uh, positions at community-based organizations. Uh, they are asked to work at least 15 hours a week, and they get a modest stipend um, in, in return for that work. Um, what's notable about that is that this program, Program is a national service program uh, created by the federal government. So any stipends received by participants are disregarded um, for uh, purposes they're considered taxes, tax exempt and they're not considered with regards to means tested uh, programs. So SSI, Medi-Cal, uh, low-income housing does just disregard SAS income. Um, Some of the examples of current placements in our senior uh, companion program, community centers, uh, a housing site, we have uh, two at uh, ADHC, adult day health care centers, and we have one at a case management program. I think one of the great things about this program is it's really um, recruiting older adults um, and, and, and giving them an opportunity to uh, contribute back to the community and as a result kind of it's one of these everyone wins as, as the senior companions really find value um, and some modest uh, financial compensation in participating and it expands the capacity of our um, providers for very, uh, for, for limited or, n- or no cost. Um, that being said, I'm happy to answer any questions uh, the commission might have about this program.
9: Just, just a quick question. Do you have a, many people who volunteer for this? or, or um, Do you, do you we're, know, we're contracted, need, need more people? Or just sort we're of contracted for 15 yeah. people,
7: uh-huh.
11: um, and we've historically kind of been around that number. There's a, a little bit of an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're always... I don't know if two is here right now, but I think they're always looking for for new recruits. Um, so we can certainly pass along uh, information to the commission if, if you'd like to share it um, further out in the. And
9: just it just in general, that'd be helpful too. Uh, it never hurts to do that for us. But then, just yeah. how do people find out about it if they did need if they were interested in in. Yeah, I'm not Uh,
11: totally familiar with the the extent of their outreach, but I know that they have a web presence. um, It's part of the larger Felton Institute who has a robust outreach themselves. Okay. um, Getting the word out, yeah.
9: Great. That probably answers the question (laughs) then. Okay. You
1: You have the breakdown of the volunteers at this? I do.
11: Uh, What aspect would you like to know about?
1: Like different kind of languages uh, yes. that they have.
11: I have got that. Currently, amongst the group, uh, we have Spanish, Cantonese, Mandarin, Vietnamese, and English speakers.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. Any more questions from the commission? Just,
0: just, just one. Um, I noticed that the stipend is two dollars and sixty-five cents an hour. Is yeah. is that because it would affect other benefits that the? Volunteer receives?
11: It is $2.65 an hour because that is what the federal government sets it at, unfortunately. That is perhaps the limitation of this program. Um, that, I mean, that's a very low. Okay, oh, yeah. well, that's, that, yeah. that's an answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I,
0: <laughs> I think the additional benefits are good. Yeah.
1: extra um, money. Yeah.
0: Anyway, thank you.
1: That's okay. They can write Muni for free, so they don't have to pay. Well, I see transportation <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and uh, more. supplemental accident, uh, personal liability and excess automobile insurance coverage, annual physical examination. Those, those are all good. Thanks.
1: Any comment from the public? Okay. We are ready for the
3: vote.
0: So moved. Second.
1: All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carried. Okay. Uh, we come to item F review and approval of uh, fiscal year 1920 CDA 122 area plan budget associated contract AP 1920-06 and all subsequent amendments. Uh, Alex Gleason.
12: Thank you, good morning commissioners, uh, executive director McSpadden. My name is Alex Gleason, I'm a budget analyst with the Human Services Agency. What's before you this morning for review and approval is the area plan budget and related contract for fiscal year 1920 and any subsequent amendments. These documents detail a variety of federal and state allocations that are provided in support of older Americans act programs. The overall change from the baseline budget for fiscal year 1819 is a funding increase of $576,715 with a total allocation for fiscal 1920 of $6,017,593. The accompanying table in the commission memo details the fluctuation in area plan dollars for specific programmatic care categories between the current year and next year's allocations. Programs funded with area plan monies include supportive services, congregate and home deliver nutrition, disease prevention, family caregiver support programs, ombudsman and elder abuse prevention, as well as administration for these programs. The supportive services budget includes legal services, transportation, information and referral, and emergency short term care. As mentioned in the commission memo, increased funding of $393,214 for congregate nutrition and home delivered meals represented the largest boost for 1920, with supportive services and ombudsman programs also seeing modest gains. The accompanying contract, AP 1920-06, details the various requirements tied to the area plan funding. With approval of this item, staff will make appropriate contract modifications as needed. Please let me know if you have any questions. Any question,
1: from the committee? Just
0: one, how often do you have to do this? Pardon me? How often does the plan have to be done?
12: Oh, yeah. the, uh, it's an annual allocation. It is an annual. Yes. So the, so
0: this plan has to be developed each year
12: actually so the be- plan, the area plan is a four-year cycle with the allocations done each individual year
0: okay
4: and just to add to that um, we do the plan every four years but we have to update it every year and so the Commission approved our update I think last last month. Meeting. yeah last Commission meeting and usually I- we do the budget um, approval separate from the um, area plan update approval
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Any question from the um, commission? Any question from the public? Okay. So we're ready for the vote.
0: So moved.
9: Second.
1: All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carried. Thank you. Thank you. Item G, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with the ARC San Francisco for the provision of janitorial and recycling services during the period of July 1, 2019 through June twentieth thirtieth, uh, 2020, for an additional amount of 105163 plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed $454,312. Rick again.
8: Hello again. I'm speaking to the ARC um, Janitorial and Recycling uh, Employment Services Program. Uh, the ARC SF um, offers work at the yeah currently three human service agency sites to their participants. Um, uh, And of course their target population is adults with developmental disabilities. Um, The program um, also offers supported employment, that is job coaching and staff who go in and uh, assist as needed, monitor, retrain, train for jobs. Uh, So that support is there for anyone who might need help. Um, the program uh, allows the participants to experience stable meaningful work um, inclusion at the work site and of course they earn a wage um, there's currently three sites I think are mentioned uh, 1235 mission 2 Gough, and 1240 Harrison there's a mistake in my notes but on Harrison Street um, I think that's it. Is any questions? Uh, my question
1: is, um, who supervises them? Do they have uh, people from the agencies to oversee them? I know it's a is a program which is really kind of a good to make them useful and boost up their ego. Okay, okay. but I'm just questioning
8: how uh, are people
1: supervising them.
8: Uh, the arc provides staff to. Um, be available and to provide coaching at the sites uh, with the employees. There's also usually a site supervisor uh, from human service agency at each site. So there's a lot of communication and um, job defining between those agencies, the ARC and H- and human service agency. So there's kind of a double layer of supervision.
1: Okay, the other question I have since i have you here is uh, they don't have detailed budgets so are these uh, um people
8: pay by stipends or what um uh, the actual employees at the human service agency sites earn minimum wage and then we pay a rate to the arc that's based on client hours so it's a standard rate of 1962 i believe for every client hour and that covers staff that covers staff benefits, um, any other cost related to the program. It's not a budget that we typically see here, but it's not uncommon throughout the city from what I understand. Any question from the companies?
9: Just so I understand the scope of this, because I'm familiar with the ARC program, I've interfaced with it at the Mm -hmm. workplace. Um, Is this the entirety of the ARC program? So is this how it's organized through the city? And then do they, ultimately go out to some sites privately i mean it's
8: um the arc has a variety of programs this okay. is just one small portion That's what I, I wonder uh, but no they have other employment services a lot of other okay. um training programs both in-house and out in the community okay. This is just one small piece
1: thank you okay. any more questions from commission any from the comment from the public OKAY. NOW WE CALL FOR THE VOTE. Uh, SO MOVED. SECOND. ALL IN FAVOR SAY AYE.
3: AYE.
1: OPPOSED? MOTION CARRIED. THANK YOU. ITEM H. REQUESTING AUTHORIZATION TO ENTER INTO A NEW GRANT AGREEMENT WITH SELF HELP FOR THE for the provision of emergency short-term home care for seniors, personal care, chore, and homemaker services during the period of July 1, 2019 to June 30, 2021 in the amount of 214,522 plus a 10% contingency for total grant amount not to exceed 235,974 Mike Zank.
11: Hi. Hello again, Commissioners. Uh, I first wanted to bring your attention to a small typo on the cover of the memo sheet. Um, the, do- the overall dollar amount of this contract is correct. Um, we have the allocation uh, with a typo between um, county and federal dollars. Incorrect. It's actually about forty-three percent funded through county dollars, about ninety-two thousand. It's actually ninety two thousand nine hundred ninety with about fifty seven percent of the dollars in this contract coming from the federal government that that number is one hundred twenty one thousand five hundred thirty two
3: can you repeat those percentages
11: yeah so county forty three percent federal fifty seven percent thank you yeah so the um the personal care homemaker chore programs um I think are pretty well described in the memo and in the and in the appendix A. But they are essentially um, a program which sends out um, a caregiver uh, for clients on a short-term basis in a limited number of circumstances. Um, the services provided must fit under three categories: personal care, homemaker, or chore. Um, the goal of this service is to keep help participants maintain maximum independence um, and functioning while living in the community. Um, typically we're seeing people participating in this program um, while they're, you know, they might be waiting for a IHSS application that's pending before services can begin um, or when only short-term um, a need is needed, typically after discharge from a hospital when just a little bit of help might be needed for a short time. We also see a couple of referrals from time to time for like a, a one-time deep clean uh, type uh, situation. Um, The proposed contractor here is Self-Help for the Elderly. Um, They are the incumbent contractor. Um, They've held this contract since at least uh, 2011. Um, We have always been very pleased with their services. They've always done well in the program monitoring process. I'm happy to answer any questions.
1: Question from the Commission? Any question from the public? Hearing none,
0: We call for the vote. I'd like to make a motion to approve with the corrections that Mike made on the cover memo. Second. All who in favor say
1: aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carried. Aye. Requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Catholic Charity for the Provision of Adult Day Program Services for Older Adults and Adults with a Disability during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 for an additional amount, 168180 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $759,565. RIC, they have been working you hard, Rick.
8: <laughs> yes, it's good to be back. You know, Rick. Since they, your
3: your name appears on this informational item, are yeah. these two related?
8: Yes. Okay, thank um, you. I will mention that. Um, as the agenda comments, I'll do a short summary about the adult day programs and the Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Centers, um, and then we'll go into each uh, contract and program separately from there. Uh, just so you have a general idea of what these programs provide. Um, certainly, each program that we'll discuss, discuss has unique designs and needs, sites, locations, consumer base, et cetera, um, but there's common uh, information, of course. Adult day programs are community-based centers that provide supportive services, personal assistance, congregate meals, transportation to and from the center, and other non-medical uh, services. The goal of the adult day program really is to keep folks in the community um, and encourage independence and engagement. Um, staff and the programs provide supervision and assisted with assistance with um, activities of daily living and all the activities that happen there. Uh, including socialization, exercise, recreation, and then importantly, the adult day program also acts as respite for caregivers and family members. Adult day programs are licensed by California, and generally services are provided Monday through Friday, nine to three, in these programs, with some variation That The Alzheimer Day Care Resource Centers are similar. But obviously, they target the population of folks who have Alzheimer's disease or other dementia disorders or related disorders. Um, These programs have a higher (laughs) staff-to-client ratio. Uh, Staff is trained, activities are customized for people who might have uh, dementia. Um, Many of the activities are similar. They're just highly personalized. I mentioned in my notes that staffing is one participant to five members of the care team. Uh, The other important difference is that there's a strong effort to provide families and caregivers support through counseling and training and resources, and obviously the day programs act as respite. Uh, The Alzheimer's Day Care Resource Centers also develop a strong volunteer base, that's um, important for them again those programs are generally nine to three monday through friday Uh, they do have transportation to and from the centers um, and they provide um, close communications with families and caregivers about resources for dementia and alzheimer's Um, any questions
3: in general where are these centers uh, and how many are there
8: well we're covering i think four Alzheimer's, they're um, on here, I think there's four um, Alzheimer's Day Care Resource Centers and five Adult Day Programs. We'll talk about the location as we go through each contract, but they're throughout the city. And then specifically to the agenda item that you read, Vice President Liu, Catholic Charities Adult Day Program, That one's located at 50 Broad Street. Um, The program aims to serve 50 consumers for a total of 18,500 hours on an annual basis. Um, uh, I was talking with the director, Patty Clement, earlier, and she reminded me that one of the focus of this particular program is maintaining a stable program over years. So they really try to provide um, more specialized training, more support, so people can stay in that program a long time. Uh, one of their members will be celebrating 21 years there soon and another 15. Um, just to mention, Patty's been there 29 years. So they're really trying to provide a long-term resource uh, for their folks. Uh, the other it started important-
3: at a young age though.
8: Yeah, apparently, <laughs> that's very. <laughs> um, I also wanted to mention that this adult day program provides extended hours, so folks can start there as early as 8, and then the program starts at 9.30, and then they can stay till 5 if need be. Um, And that's their day program.
1: Any questions from the commission? (coughs) I move to approve. Second. I presume there's nothing from the public. BEING APPROVED. ALL IN FAVOR SAY aye. 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 OPPOSE? PASS. OKAY. GOING ON TO uh, okay. J, uh, REQUESTING AUTHORIZATION TO MODIFY THE EXISTING GRANT with the Catholic Charity for the provision of Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Center for older adults and adults with disability during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020, for an additional amount of 93,979 plus 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 417,706. Rick?
0: Yes. Thanks, Vice Chair. Um, Just point of order. I, I, I think there was a cover memo, and we were supposed to be looking at I, K, and L at the same, together. Is that the packet? Correct.
9: I I got confused too, so let's clarify that.
8: I'm not sure I can clarify it. They, the agenda items were listed in this order, and the, the memos um, were separate for adult day program and the AC. RCs, so I'm not sure how. So
0: what you just described, though, uh, would include items I, K, and L. And should we be considering it them in that order, or does it matter? I
4: guess we, well, I think the, the way that they actually did laid this out on the agenda was that it goes by organization. So he was going through the two Catholic charities organizations first. The informational overview was about both types of programs. Okay. Got
8: it. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Fine, sorry. So this is the Catholic Charities Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Center. That's also located at 50 Broad Street. They'll be serving 20 consumers for 6,000 annual daycare hours. Um, I already covered some of the milestones for that program, but I also wanted to mention that the Catholic Charities programs have um, English, Spanish, and some Cantonese and there are um, uh, Tagalog-speaking attendees, so they have some various languages available to them. Um, I can take any questions then.
1: Any question from the public? Here, none, we call for the vote.
0: So moved. Second.
1: Okay, uh, we now uh, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carry. Thank you. Item K, requesting, to modify, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Institute on Aging for the provision of adult day care services for older adults and adults with disability during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 for an additional amount of 103,454 plus 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 457,937.
13: Monty Chimino. Good morning, Vice President Liu, Commissioners, Director McSpadden. I'd also like to welcome uh, Commissioner Arcelona. Thank you. Uh, today, I'm presenting the uh, Institute on Aging Adult Day program. Uh, the program is currently located at CPMC on California Street, but will be moving to a new location in the Presidio in July. Uh, the language capacity for this program includes English, Spanish, Tagalog, and Chinese. And finally, the program seeks to serve 65 unduplicated clients throughout the fiscal year. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have.
1: Any comment from the public? All right here, none. Call for the vote. So moved. A second. Okay. Is um all those in favor say aye? Aye. aye. Opposed? <coughs> Carry. requesting authorization to modify the existing grant with Camuchi for the provision of adult day program for older adults and adults with disability during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 for an additional amount of $61,101 plus 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed $278.00.
13: Hello again, Uh, we're here to present Kimochi's ADP program. Um, The program is located at 1531 Sutter Street uh, in Japantown. Uh, The program provides services in English and Japanese and the program is looking to serve 40 unduplicated consumers over the course of the fiscal year. Thank you.
1: Any question from the public? All right, let's call for the vote. Um, so moved. Second. We- All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? <clears throat> Carry. L requesting. No, it's just finished that one. M. I'm getting M. confused. <clears throat> Maybe early son of Alzheimer's. <laughs> Requesting uh, authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Institute on Aging for the provision of Alzheimer's daycare resource for older adults and adults with a disability during the period of July 1, 2018 through June 30, 2020 for an additional amount of Plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 637.1 dollars. Mm-hmm.
13: Good morning again, Commissioners. Uh, today we seek your approval for the uh, Institute on Aging Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Center. In addition to the renewal of the contract, we seek your approval to aid the program in moving to a new facility in the Presidio in July. <clears throat> Uh, the current location is soon getting ready to go through seismic retrofitting, thus making it unusable for at least the next three years. Uh, this modification will temporarily help with, new, uh, with the rental of the new property, moving expenses, marketing and licensing fees, building upgrades, and moving related costs. Uh, the program is scheduled to move out of its current location on July 19th and open that Monday on July 22nd at the new facility. I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have.
1: My question is, um, have any monitoring been done on this site? Oh,
13: right. Yes, I recently did uh, the monitoring. I believe it was in March, and they were found to be be compliant. And I also have a picture of the new facility. Madam Secretary, if you can put on that. If
9: I could jump into that. I was just curious about the new facility, and does it uh, improve things overall, or are there any... Uh, features that you'd like to explain about that, and then also in doing that, mm-hmm. Presidio first thought most people would have is transportation. And although I understand most people are transported to these facilities, is there any
13: uh, all anything wonderful. about yeah. that you'd
9: want to add? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A
13: wonderful question. So there is transportation. Yes, um, there is a partial amount of funding that goes towards transportation. You know, the Presidio is a great location for an ADCRC site. Um, first of all, it's flat. You know, and and accessibility for seniors is gonna be much easier. Um, I know IOA did an extensive research campaign to find out the best possible site. They are doing retrofitting to make sure the building is up to code and up to um, the provisions to um, serve uh, older adults and adults with disabilities and particularly folks with dementia or Alzheimer's related issues. Um, I don't have the the detailed line by line of what those upgrades are, but they are gonna be done in time for the move-in on July 22nd. I believe they started in early March, so they're not gutting the whole building necessarily. They're doing some minor things here and there. Um, and I'm sorry, what was your other question?
9: You're answering okay, just sort of a general description. Yeah, of the difference and, um, so here we have a picture. I see this picture yeah. <laughs>
13: yeah, looks very nice. of The new facility. Um, and then I also have a blueprint that I can show real quickly as well. And so it's my understanding that in yellow here um, shows the main facility. And we're looking at, uh, 7,000 plus square feet.
3: They're going to be my neighbor. We're in the main post chapel and my daughter oh. took dance class <laughs> in that facility too. So happy coincidence,
13: <laughs> so happy coincidence.
1: You can keep an eye on the program. Absolutely. <laughs> and
13: I'll report back with frequency. I'll give you my email address. Thank
1: you. <laughs> so who's paying for all the renovation work?
13: So it's, it's part IOA fundraising and then part some of the money that uh, the department is asking that we provide for IOA.
1: Any more questions from the commission? Any from the public? All right, we call for the vote. So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Carry. <coughs> Okay, moving along, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the Elderly for the provision of adult day program service for older adults and adults with disability during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 for an additional amount, 102541 plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed
8: five hundred ninety six nine hundred ninety four Rick again thank you Um, they always say that you only have to worry if they don't call you back so (laughs) (laughs) thank you Um, the self-help for the elderly adult day program is at 408 22nd Street in the Richmond district Um, they serve about 23 people a year for 14,320 hours Uh, Their languages include Cantonese Mandarin tuition Vietnamese and English Um, and just as a Interesting note that facility will be celebrating 23 years in June. They've been there quite a while Any questions about this program?
1: This is in the same location as the um, adult day health care, Jan-
8: isn't right? Ch- Jackie Chan Activity Center, yes. Any there's a, oh sorry, there's a geary street address yeah. associated with it sometimes, but it's the same building.
1: The same building. Yeah. Any question from the commission? Any question from the public? Hearing none, we call for vote. So moved. I'll second. Move, second, uh, and uh, call for the vote. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? <clears throat> Carry. OK. Requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the LA for the provision of Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Center for older adults and adults with disability during the period July 1, 2019, through June 30, 2020, for an additional amount of plus a ten percent contingency, for a total amount not to exceed four hundred six dollars
8: and one do- four hundred six thousand and one dollar. And uh, lastly, for me, this is the self Help for Elderly Adult Day, I'm sorry, Alzheimer's Day Care Resource Center at 408 22nd Street. They'll be serving around 20 folks for 6,000 annual hours and their language capability is the same as their other day program. Um,
1: I just have a question. How are they going to adjust with the three programs? They have the adult day health and Alzheimer's and senior daycare? I mean, it's not a very big thing. <coughs> I'm just question right. a question.
8: Um, yes. It's a fairly large common room, and then there's some additional rooms. Um, um, when I visited, many of the people that are associated with the uh, Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Center have a separate room where they have higher number of staff people, uh, more custom design programs. Plus, I think all those folks access some of the activities there, and um, the the numbers are, you know, reasonable for that space. Not everybody's there every day or all day, so I think it works for them. Any question?
0: I I think you meant 22nd Avenue.
8: I'm sorry, what did I say, street? Street. Whoops, no, 22nd (laughs) Avenue, sorry.
1: (laughs) Any comment from the public? Hearing none, call for the vote.
3: So moved. Second.
1: Okay, all who in favor say aye.
8: Aye. aye.
1: Opposed? <laughs> Carry. Thank you. Okay. P, uh, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Alzheimer's disease and related Disorder Association, Inc., for the provision of the Dementia Care Project for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender. LGBTQ+, older adults and adults with disability during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020, for an additional amount of 210125 plus a 10% dis- contingency for a new total amount not to exceed 462 Monty Chimino.
13: Good morning. Uh, today we're here to seek your approval for the Alzheimer's Association uh, Dementia Care Project in service to LGBTQ older adults and adults with disabilities. Um, this program through uh, education and training of community providers, hospitals, professional organizations, professional staff, and volunteers, the LGBTQ Dementia Care Project looks to educate and build awareness around historical barriers that have kept LGBTQ older adults and adults with disabilities from seeking services or disclosing their sexual orientation when actively inquiring or signing up for services. Uh, In a continuing effort to evolve the program, to best meet the needs of the community, the Alzheimer's Association recently facilitated an LGBTQ Dementia Care Network Conversation gathering at 1650 Mission Street on April 23rd. Uh, The gathering included members from the community, individuals with lived experience, nonprofit providers, home care health professionals, and department staff to discuss the needs of the LGBTQ older adult and adults with disabilities population as it relates to dementia care and education in San Francisco. And I attended this event, and it was... um, a wonderful dialogue across many different providers around the perception and need for these specific populations in dementia care. Um, Nothing was solved on day one, but there was an agreement to continue these forums and bring in more individuals from hospitals potentially to gain input and awareness around the needs of uh, LGBT older adults and adults with disabilities as it relates to dementia care. Um, So we're looking forward to seeing what else Alzheimer's Association can bring to the table with this.
3: Was the mayor's office on transgender initiative represented at that meeting?
4: Not at that specific meeting, but we have been working really closely with the mayor's office of transgender services. Thank you, yeah.
9: And then will it be anticipated that with the increased outreach and understanding, will they then be more LGBTQ people incorporated in the current city programs? Is that kind of where we're yeah. headed here? Right, yes. That yeah. we just so- learned about, you know. that.
13: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's an interesting process because the community-based providers have a good understanding and they're looking to learn, learn more and become more welcoming to the population as, as you know, we never stop growing, agencies never stop growing and, and incorporating more. Then we have the hospital component that is kind of involved with the community providers but also kind of not. And so their perception is a little bit different Um, and then having individuals with lived experience come in and discuss their story and their process in this particular area. Um, You know, I think it's about individuals becoming familiar with what's going on, and through that discussion, um, uh, items come up that are salient that can then be (coughs) communicated to the uh, community through the trainings that Alzheimer's Association does. You know, they're really committed to making sure this program evolves and continues to meet the needs of San Franciscans because once you train an agency, they don't want to be done. They want to find out what else they can do to bring folks together to continue to learn and, and provide education.
9: And are, is this this is this is undoubtedly groundbreaking in terms of what what's going on here? Are there other cities that we're looking to uh, for model approaches to this, or is San Francisco sort of the? First one
13: to- this is the first one in the nation. Okay. I and it's to- pretty exciting. So I presented in Savannah, Georgia two years ago with Edie from Alzheimer's Association. Um, we got a lot of positive response, a lot of questions afterwards. It's really, really exciting to be able to model this program for the rest of the country and also to have individuals who are so committed to making sure that the education that they're giving is, is up-to-date and accurate and relevant mm-hmm. and that they're making sure that folks are getting what they need.
9: And also just that a different model, different definitions of family, mm-hmm. uh, which is so critical to the care yes. situation.
13: Yeah, and making sure those individuals feel safe walking into any agency in San Francisco. You know, one agency has a rainbow flag out in front and the individual that was at the meeting on the 23rd discussed how for that organization, that was different to have that really took them to the next level with welcoming all who come through. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Is is there connective tissue between this initiative and some of the findings and recommendations from the report of the LGBT senior task force?
13: Yes. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a lot of the same players. Um, You know, I don't, is it 13 of the recommendations I believe have been rolled out to date approximately. And so, um, yeah, they're all, there are loose connections between them, and this is no exception. Yeah, mm-hmm.
9: I think it, I think it is. It says here it was. In thing.
13: Yeah,
4: it is. It's a direct um, result of the recommendations, and pretty much everything that we have has aligned. That we've done around this community or these communities has been aligned with those recommendations. Any more questions from the commission?
1: Any comment from the public? Hearing none, we call for the vote. I'll
9: move.
3: Second.
1: It's moved and second, and all in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carried. Q, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Family Caregiver Alliance for the provision of Family Caregiver Support Programming during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 for an additional amount of 753431 plus a 10% contingency for a new total amount not to exceed of $1,715,378 Monte Cimino.
13: Family Caregiver Alliance Family Caregiver Support Services uh, seeks to provide effective caregiver support through a wide range of services. I wanted to note new for this fiscal year coming up, Family Caregiver Alliance will be partnering with Stepping Stone Adult Day Health, who will provide uh, public information on caregiving, um, caregiver assessment, and caregiver counseling as a subcontractor. And this is in addition to uh, the longstanding partners, Kimochi and Self-Help for the Elderly that FCA also works with. Happy to answer any questions.
1: Question from the Commission? Comment from the public? Hearing none, call for the vote. So moved. i second. Is, uh, move, second, uh, and all in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? <coughs> Motion carried. Uh-huh. Okay. Item R, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Institute on Aging for the provision of the Center for Elderly Suicide Prevention during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2021 in amount of 810,548 plus 10% contingency for total grant amount not to exceed 891, and $602, uh,
13: The Center for Elderly Suicide Prevention, or CESP, offers a wide range of services to older adults and adults with disabilities who may be dealing with grief, loss issues, and or suicidal ideation. Um, the services uh, include grief education, training, informal emotional support, formal emotional support, which includes a formal assessment and uh, scheduled phone call check-ins with the individual, Uh, counseling, individual counseling and group counseling sessions. The program seeks to serve 975 unduplicated consumers over the course of the fiscal year.
1: Question from the Commission? I have a question. what What is the style pattern for this program? since they are answering the phone, there should be different languages that they capability?
13: Yeah, that's a great question. So the volunteer program for CESP is pretty involved. Um, And in conversations with the director, the language capacity ebbs and flows based on volunteer accessibility. Right now, there's language capacity in Spanish and English. Um, There has been language capacity for Chinese as well. They recruit, and part of the recruitment process is is to find a diverse pool of volunteers who can provide language, and that's not always the case. Folks drop out through the training process to be a volunteer. Volunteers get trained, they never show up. So um, the program works hard to actively seek a diverse pool of volunteers to to provide language capacity, but it's not always guaranteed.
1: But they also have some um, staff uh beside the volunteers, meaning the phone, isn't it, right?
13: Uh, with the, the phone calls, it's primarily uh, volunteer-run. There are staff that supervise the volunteers in-house. There are staff that provide the community trainings and the counseling, but the phone line, the friendship line itself is primarily volunteers with staff, su- staff supervision. So if someone gets a very difficult call, someone who's actively suicidal and the volunteer sort of has um, used up Their resources. There's some clinical person there that can step in and help.
1: Any other question from commission? Comment from the public?
13: Call for the vote.
3: So moved, second.
1: Okay. All who uh, say aye in favor, say aye. 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 Oppose. Motion carried. Yes. requesting authorization to enter into new grant agreement with Institute on Aging for the provision of the Community Living Fund during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2021 in the amount of $8,904,306 plus a 10% contingency for a um, total amount grant amount not to exceed $9,794,736. FANNY ten.
5: TAN. Good morning, Commissioners. Good morning, Executive Director of Expand. Welcome, Commissioner Arcelones. Nice to see you. Um, I'm Fanny Lapitan program analyst with long-term care operations at DOS and I'm here today to present um, or to request your authorization to enter into new contract with the Institute on Aging or IOA for the provision of the community living fund program um, for the next two fiscal years. Um, I did present the six month report in the annual plan last month so hopefully um, most of you guys still remember uh, what the CLF is but I will give like a really brief um, background again. Um, the community living fund or CLF was created in 2006 to support aging in place and community placement alternatives for individuals who may otherwise require care within an institution. CLF provides home and community-based services using a two-pronged approach of coordinated case management and purchase of goods and services. Um, The program serves San Francisco residents 18 years and older with incomes of up to 300% of the federal poverty level. Participants must be willing and able to live in the community with appropriate supports and have a demonstrated need for a service or resource that will serve to enable community living or prevent institutionalization. The target population includes individuals ready for discharge from Laguna Honda Hospital, um, Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital, and other San Francisco skilled nursing facilities. Um, The target also includes individuals who are at imminent risk of institutional placement but are willing and able to remain in the community with appropriate supports. Um, Institute on Aging and its subcontractors will provide coordinated case management with a culturally diverse staff of social workers or care managers um, who will conduct the intake, assessment, care planning, care plan implementation, the monitoring, reassessment, and discharge. Um, Case management is an integral part or component of long-term care service delivery and is central to accessing additional services through the Community Living Fund. Um, The program's purchase of services component uh, can fill the gaps for goods and services that are deemed necessary by a CLF care manager but are not available through other means. Um, The purchase of service funds are used as a last resort when all other payment options have been exhausted. Um, These purchases can include home care, home modifications, assistive devices, and um, housing subsidies, among other things. The program's goal is to successfully support community living and to reduce unnecessary institu- institutionalization by providing older adults and younger adults with disabilities with the options for where and how they receive assistance, um, care, and support. Um, the Institute on Aging has been the uh, is the incumbent contract service provider for the CLF services since 2007. Um, program monitoring review was done in April. Um, and it uh, shows that IOA is in compliance with program requirements. Um, At this time, I'd be happy to answer any question from the commissioners.
1: I have a question. Uh, I'm just kind of looking at the salary and benefit detail. Just tell me, um, a couple of positions I don't understand. Is the regional director community living? And also the VP of Community Living. What do they do?
5: Um, I actually have the uh, VP of Community Living here with us today, and he can explain fully what his responsibilities are for this contract. Um, uh, I'd like to call Austin Ward up.
8: Good morning, commissioners. Uh, my name is Austin Nord. I'm the new vice president of community living for the Institute on Aging. Um, I joined IOA March 4th, so this is my second month with the organization. Um, my role, we have, um, starting with our work here in San Francisco, we have since um, taken the community living model and, and found other areas in California who find value in this service. This population is in you know, desperate need of these services across the nation, but um, my role is really to help provide leadership and um, framework for expansion of this model to ensure that we're still you know, meeting the core, uh, the core goals and outcomes that we do want to achieve for this population across all of our community living programs in the state. Is that helpful?
1: Well, it's very confusing because uh, community living and I associate community living is, is uh, the, the Office on Aging have a program, community living. So I said, gee, what is this? So that's why it was confusing. What? Okay. And one other question I have is like, uh, um, I'm looking at the operating expenses. It seemed like awfully high for like um, $140,000 so uh, for just for the rent per year. So it comes to like $11,666, right. right? That's one. And the other one is like uh, the um, staff <clears throat> travel is like $18,000 a year. You're talking about $1,500. They're flying out of all over the, the, the country or what? Just questions, that's all.
5: Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, these are very good questions. Thank you for asking, Commissioner Liu. We, I think it would be better for um, the CFO of IOA to explain the ex- exact details, because um, I might not do justice. So let me introduce yeah. you.
9: Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, Roxanna Blades, uh, CFO at Institute on Aging. Um, commissioner, to your question regarding rent, we're um, only charging San Francisco according to the program guidelines that your accounting department charges, but um, we have two sites for this program. One is at the Institute on Aging, and the other is a site closer to who they support in the community, which is here on Market Street. Um, So we're utilizing all of our capacity to serve the community and out of Gary. The other part is most of our case managers do not drive, so what we're, they're actually doing is through bus buses, so we're talking about folks who are transporting and looking at in, um, individuals from one end of the city to the other end of the city. Um, and it is our most
1: robust program, so that's part of the cost that you see there. Okay. And uh, one other question, I, uh, is the, uh, what is the global purchase of services? Which costs a million six hundred sixty-five dollars and nine hundred ninety-two per year.
5: I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question, Commissioner?
1: The, is the, the the page four yes. appendix the purchase of cat-
5: service? Yes.
1: Is the purchase of service category?
5: Oh, the global purchase yeah. of service. Yes. So that's the dollar amount set aside specifically for this. The other, that component of purchase of goods and services that I just mentioned, that could include um, um, home modifications, home care, um, assistive devices, and housing subsidy. And then, and then there's other things that um, the CLF participants are not able to get through other means. So we provide and we purchase the service and goods for them and that's the pool of money where we, um, that we use for, for, the, for that component.
1: Any questions from the Commission? Comment from the public? Hearing none?
3: So moved. Second.
1: It has been moved, second, and called for the div- all in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carried. Thank you. Okay, item S is taken out. So, T. 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 I'm mean, sorry.
0: So we go to you. Uh-huh. Getting long.
9: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, we come to item U requesting authorization to enter into a new grant with the uh, San Francisco In Home Supportive Service Public Authority for the provision of independent providers mode in home in-home support supportive services during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2022, in the amount of 22295309 million, plus the 10% contingency for total grant amount not to exceed 245,248. million, three hundred and nine dollars Brenda McGregor
14: yes good morning Vice President Lou fellow commissioners and executive director Shireen Max Batten my name is Brenda McGregor and I am a manager for the in-home supportive services program today I am pleased to present to you three service contracts for in-home supportive services two of the contracts are for San Francisco In-Home Supportive Services, Public Authority, and the other for Homebridge. Each contract represents a customized part of our San Francisco IHSS continuum of choice and support, which is a service framework designed to support the unique needs of older adults and people with disabilities. The first item before you is the contract for San Francisco in-home supportive services, public authority for independent provider mode in-home supportive services. This sole source contract is to improve IHSS services for IHSS consumers under the independent provider mode. The public authorities Primary roles and responsibilities are to act as the employer of record for independent providers for the purposes of bargaining with the union, in addition to administering health and dental benefits to all eligible independent providers. Additionally, the collective bargaining agreement executed just this year dictates the wages and benefits responsibilities for the independent provider. Public authority provides a variety of service to support IHSS consumers and independent providers. This includes the operation of an an independent provider registry that assists IHSS consumers who can manage and supervise an independent provider but do not have a family or friend to provide the service. On the average, Public authority receives over 100 consumer referrals a month from in-home supportive services staff to assist our consumers with finding an independent provider. Additionally, the public authority provides background check investigations and fingerprinting services to aid in the enrollment process for providers. Public authority also offers a mentorship services that is designed to provide hands-on assistance to our consumers when hiring an independent provider. And lastly, the Public Authority has a one-stop center that provides community resources, training and education, in addition to safety and protective supplies to independent providers. The in-home supportive services program requests your approval for this contract with San Francisco in-home, supporter services, public authority, I am happy to answer any questions the Commission may have. Thank you.
1: Any questions
14: from Commission?
1: Any comment from the public? Hearing none, there we go again.
0: So moved. I
9: will second.
1: Move and second, call for the vote. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? <laughs> Pass. V. Oh. Requesting authorization uh, to enter into a new grant agreement with San Francisco In Home Supportive Services Public Authority for the provision of emergency on-call in-home supportive services during the period of July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2022 in an amount of $1,439,225 plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed $1,583,147. Brenda McGregor.
14: Thank you. The second item before you is a contract with the San Francisco in-home supportive services, public authority, for emergency on-call, IHSS. This contract is a critical component of our continuum of services, as it provides home care. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Again, this contract is a critical component of our continuum of services as it provides home care services to IHSS consumers who have an immediate need but no available provider to serve them. Emergency on-call is typically required in two instances, one being a consumer's regular provider, counsels on short notice, or the provider quits abruptly, which could result in the consumer being at risk without home care. Another circumstance is when a consumer is discharged from a hospital and or skilled nursing facility, but lacks a support system and has no regular provider in place. Emergency on-call providers are available seven days a week. This includes holidays from 8.30 a.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. On the average, the public authority serves over 650 hours of home care to approximately 65 unique IHSS consumers a month. The in-home supportive services, again, request your approval for this contract with San Francisco in-home supportive services public authority I am happy to answer any questions the commission may have. Thank you. Question: Just uh,
9: for context, does, do we do they are they always able to um, meet every need for this, or is there a greater need for this kind of service than this can? achieve do you ha- do you happen to know I'm sorry can uh, are you there the more people that sometimes need this emergency call service or through through this funding are we usually able to cover all the needs that come up that way I'm just wondering where that
14: we're usually able to cover it okay yes we will not leave anyone without uh, provision of care yes
1: any further questions from Commission comment from the public okay
14: so
3: moved
1: it moved, second, and call for the vote. All in favor say aye. 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 Motion carried. Thank you. Okay. W, item W, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Home Rich for the provision of home supportive service Contract mode and provider skill development training and supports during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020, for an additional amount of $27,679,289 plus a 10% contingency for a new total amount not to exceed $96,109,679. Brenda
14: McGregor. Thank you again. This third item before you is a request for a one-year extension request of our existing contract with Homebridge. This is a contract mode IHSS and provider skill development training and supports. Contract mode IHSS serves roughly 5% of IHSS's 23,000 consumers who cannot supervise and or direct an independent provider. This is usually due to cognitive and or behavioral health disabilities. In the contract mode, IHSS consumers receive home care from specially trained and supervised providers employed by Homebridge, as well as support services and coordination from care supervisors. Homebridge serves an average of 38,000 hours of home care monthly to roughly 850 IHSS consumers. The provider skill development training and supports component of this contract provides the opportunity for all IHSS providers to receive basic and advanced skill development training that will enable them to acquire the skill set to provide safe, efficient, and appropriate home care services to our consumers. Homebridge will provide ongoing basic training to 100% of its staff providers as well as registry providers. Basic and advanced training is offered to all independent providers with the expectation that 5% of the over 20,000 eligible providers will take at least one training course. The In-Home Supportive Services Program requests your approval for the extension of our existing contract with Homebridge for the period of July 1st, 2019 through July, I'm sorry, through June the 30th of 2020. I am happy to answer any questions the Commissioner <coughs> have. Thank you.
1: Public? Hearing none. I'll move to adopt or approve. Second. It's been moved and second CALL for. The, all in, in favor, say aye. 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 Move. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Item X, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with community living campaign for the provision of reserve employment services for older adults and adults with disability during the period of July 1, 2019, so June 30, 2020, in an additional amount of $612,656, plus a 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 1,898,558. Monte Chimino.
13: Good morning, Commissioners. Uh, today we seek uh, your approval for a grant modification with Community Living Campaigns Reserve Program. Uh, recently this program was expanded, I think it was about maybe two months ago we were here, uh, to include additional community partners and the Jobs Now Program. Uh, to expand the footprint of uh, uh, employment for older adults and adults with disabilities and reach more to find employment. The program seeks to promote the department's broader vision to open up more employment opportunities for older adults and adults with disabilities throughout San Francisco. Um, As a side note, tomorrow uh, the reserve program is having a work matters event over on uh, the first uh, Unitarian Universalist Center on 1187 Franklin. There are flyers up um, on the table if you're interested. And I also just wanted to make a, a, a side note. They were able to provide interpreters in Cantonese and in Spanish if individuals called within 72 hours prior to the event, which is a wonderful option to have for folks. Um, so this event, again, is community partners. There's going to be a forum discussing employment opportunities. There's going to be opportunities to network, and they're also providing lunch. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have.
1: from the commission? Any from the public? Okay, we're ready. So, I'll move to approve. Second. It has been moved, second, and we call for uh, for the vote. uh, In favor, all in favor, say aye. 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 Motion carried. Item Y, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Open House for the provision of the housing resource list for older adults and adults with disability during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020 in an additional amount of uh, 24,768 plus 10% contingency for total amount not to exceed 50,489. Michael is presenting.
11: Hello again, commissioners. I'm subbing in from Wee this morning, and I will actually be joining you on the rest of today's journey through the agenda. Um, this item, this item before you, is uh, it's a housing list that's put together by uh, by one of our contractors, Open House. It's relatively straightforward. They <coughs> research and publish uh, a monthly affordable housing list. Uh, it's for San Francisco opportunities as well as uh, local Bay Area county um, opportunities in the surrounding area. Uh, they compile their list by researching various housing resources, um, including uh, the housing authorities of the various counties, uh, property management companies, nonprofit real estate development companies. Um, and other government and nonprofit resources that they've just become aware of as they build their expertise around this. Uh, They keep their list fresh by having staff and volunteers uh, follow up on information on the list on a regular basis to make sure it's current. Um, The list is then sent out to over 4,000 email addresses, um, but we know that it has additional impact as those end up being forwarded on and on and on. I end up with three or four forwards each month, so I think it's... This is the forward button being a good thing in the email world, I guess. Um, the list itself um, is available only in English, um, though the grantee, uh, Open House, does work with, closely with our Aging and Disability Resource Centers. We have a network of 13 of them in the community to provide translation support as needed at those, um, at those locations. Um, I think that's kind of my summary. If any questions about this, I'd be happy to, to answer.
9: Um, it, does it just list affordable housing opportunities, or is it expanded to include other uh, other tips for people who wouldn't qualify for affordable housing but are sort of...
11: It's a great question. Um, uh, I think it, it <laughs> in focuses... That, in that
9: gap area that... imagining in
11: my mind. I think it focuses on affordable housing okay. options. I mean, I think there's a range mm-hmm. of... of, of What that means, Um, it includes other tips. Um, It includes an FAQ section um, with about searching for housing, and has other resources listed in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's it is not a full compendium of all opportunities, right?
9: And I just wondered how much because of the fact that people fall into this sort of middle income gap. Yeah, uh, they can't find housing in San Francisco, but they don't qualify for affordable. So I wondered if they had expanded at all into that area, or?
11: Yeah, I'd have to, I can double check on that. I don't think so, okay. um, but.
9: No, just curious, thank you. It's This is great anyway. Okay. It's very, very helpful, so it's wonderful, thank you.
11: I,
3: I know that the Mayor's Office of Housing does something similar to this. Is this in any relationship?
11: So I think you're maybe referring to Dahlia, that there's the, well, maybe there's something else out there I don't okay. know of. Um. I, I guess I would note that, that there's the DALIA D-A-H-L-I-A, online system. It's a portal that's yes. been developed by maybe MOHCD or HSH. I'm not totally sure. Um, I have talked, in talking with Open House about this, there is that question of is there one great resource that, I think that's always something the community has been hoping for. And, and Open House does tell me that that Dahlia resource, when they go and look at that, that ha- they f- they find that is almost completely accurate. With Rarely do they find a San Francisco opportunity that's not on there. So I think that's a very good I thing. I think the
3: reason I ask is because they presented before the LGBT uh, task force of the Human Rights Commission when they launched, and I just was curious as to what the difference between this and that was.
11: Yeah, I think the... the this, this historically predates that Dolly system. Yeah. I think so we have that potential overlap now. I think one of the other aspects about this is that I believe DALIA does not cover non-San Francisco opportunities, and this does. Okay. I think more broad, yeah.
1: Any other comment from, question from the commission? Any question from, or comment from the public? Here we none, we go. Move to approve. Second. It's being moved. Second. Call for the vote. All in favor, say aye. 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 OPPOSED? Motion carried. Thank you. Okay. Finally, Z. Requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Fulton Institute for the provision of the loan term care ombudsman program during the period July 1, 2019 through June 30, 2021 in the amount of $1,079,310 plus a 10% contingency uh, for a total amount not to exceed $1,187,241. Michael again.
11: So this is our ombudsman program. Um, the program itself provides a variety of advocacy services on behalf of residents of skilled nursing and assisted living facilities. Um, I think people most commonly associate ombudsman with responding to complaints by residents, but they do, do provide a lot of other services there as well, um, including providing consultation to um, residents, families, and the facilities themselves. Uh, they have to serve as a witness to any advanced healthcare directives that are completed um, in a SNF or an assisted living facility. They also participate in larger um, systems advocacy work, including legislative hearings and implementation processes. You may have seen Benson uh, Nidell at, at various meetings. He's quite active in the community with the many... Uh, things that are going on. Um, just kind of a measure of their work. Um, In the current fiscal year, the Ombudsman has already provided services to over 2,400 clients. This is from July 1, 2018 to the present. Um, And has uh, responded to approximately 470 complaints uh, thus far this year. Uh, Language capacity amongst their program staff includes Cantonese, Mandarin, uh, Spanish, French, and Japanese. Um, that is something that they are always looking to work on, building out capacity. Um, something I always like to highlight when I, when I discuss this program is uh, their volunteer corps, which right now is at about 20 uh, volunteers. I think that's notable for two reasons. I think first that bringing in a lot of volunteers really expands capacity. But a volunteer at the ombudsman program has to go through extensive training, um, and be, so there's a training and, and retention aspect to that volunteer. Um, I think it's 40 hours uh, of initial training and shadowing to become a certified volunteer, and then 12 hours of ongoing um, uh, continuing education each year thereafter to, be, to maintain that certification. So I like to highlight that as, as, as it is a an important and difficult task for them to, to maintain that core. So with that said, I'm happy to answer any questions.
1: Comment from the commission? Comment from the public? Hearing none, good. We are coming to the end, <laughs> right? We still have to vote on this one, but. So moved. One second. Okay, it's moved, second, and all in favour say aye. 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 Thank you, Commissioner. Motion approved. Oh, it's not finished yet. Here. <laughs> any general comment from the public? Any amount? Uh, any announcements?
4: Commissioner, do I have an announcement. Um, And that's that our former commissioner, Jeremy Wallenberg, is a father. And um, so he and Karina had their baby on April 25th at 2 in the morning, 2 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, actually. And um, they named her Babette Marie King Brown Wallenberg. And they say about her, she's a respectable 8.5 ounces when she was born with a little alley cat crinkle on one ear and a full head of hair and a fighting spirit. So... um, I just thought you'd want to know that. And we all know Jeremy and and miss him on the commission. But uh, it's exciting news for him.
1: Thank you for letting us know. We have a motion to adjourn the meeting. So moved. Meeting adjourned. Thank you for coming.